Spoiler alert. Our intention on the Slashers and Screamers podcast is to bring you an entertaining escape from your workday or commute. But as we dive into your and our favorite horror flicks of all time, that entails spoiling scenes and endings to movies that you may not have seen. If this is important to you, we do advise you pause the, this podcast now and watch the film from this episode and come back to us. We're waiting. The lone survivor of an onslaught of flesh-possessing spirits holds up in a cabin with a group of strangers while the demons continue their attack. In other words, one man's tour de force into insanity and back again. We watch Evil Dead 2. We are back, and it's episode number three, and three is a magic number. Yes, it is. It's a magic number. So, without further ceremony, allow me a moment to introduce the rest of the lineup. It was his poll item that won last week. He's bringing us into this flapdoodle of a film. He is the godfather of droll, James Brown. What's up? James, good God. Yes. My, my first question about... This film you brought to us is why? This film is a classic, Bill. <laughs> almost, well, yeah, cl- classic by eight. Almost a rite of passage in my family. It's a rite of passage? When you well, turn five years old, you have to watch this movie <laughs> in order to be accepted into the Brown family. <laughs> Maybe that's why I was never accepted. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, she has likely listened to Britney Spears' Toxic on repeat today at some point, and that alone will explain her attitude. She's Casey Ripley. Casey, hello. Likely or definitely? Mm, well, I'm I'm not a prognosticator. I can only <laughs> go by my own personal knowledge. Only you know what goes on be- behind your doors, so sounds like you're correcting me. <laughs> Me and all of our listeners know damn well I've been listening to Toxic all day long, so. Well, this film goes a mile a minute, and there's so much to process in very little time. So, being the most cerebral of the team, uh, did you feel like you were on a roller coaster that was just nonstop, upside-down loops? Um, I yes, did. I did. <laughs> oh, sorry, delight. I thought you may as a cerebral assassin. Uh, no, that you're I, definitely that not. I am. No, you're definitely not the cerebral assassin. Casey, same question. <laughs> I think all of us are in agreement that yes, it's definitely a roller coaster of a movie. And finally, he has a way of elevating small talk to medium talk. He is ravishing Rick Sims. Ricky, welcome back. What's up? Same old same, Rick. What you been up to all week? Uh, you know, just watching this crazy movie, man. Well, Rick, you were born at a very young age, but this film <laughs> this film was born the same year you were. And looking at the hideous forms of some of the creatures we saw in it, do you ever worry that you're starting to look like them? Sometimes, yeah. Okay, that's all I got. Well, you know, now that the crew's all here, 
we're full force. I think we can uh we can let our generous listeners know uh you know what's going on with the new segment, right? We got a little a little something in store. So before we get into this roller coaster of a film, we're gonna do something that just kind of fits the bill here on Slashers and Screamers. So a little preface. Many, many, many years ago, and I'm talking like nineteen ninety-four, maybe earlier. My dear sister Julia bought me a holiday gift that I made mention of after seeing the commercial on TV. So it was somewhat of a party game where players are read scenarios, could be murder, deceit, passion. A forbidden relationship turned deadly. The players are tasked with solving said crimes with series of questions to the moderator. That'd be me. So questions that can only really be answered with specific answers, okay? So we're talking about yes, no, yes and no, irrelevant, I don't know, define what you mean by and rephrase your question. Each crime requires different questions to be answered before winners declared, but here on the Slashers and Screamers podcast, the stakes are high. All right. The winner of this week's game is going to go on to choose the film we review in two weeks. Of course, the poll from this week or next week is already up. So the game is none other than Milton Bradley's Crack the Case. That's right. Same Milton Bradley that's no longer around. So I'll tell you how long ago that was, right? I don't think they're around, are they? Are they still around? That question's for you guys on the Yes, show. they are still, like, I think they're still a game company, I'm sure. Did they not turn into Hasbro? Uh, do not know. I've heard that phrase from you a million times, James. Casey, do you know you're a gamer, sort of? <laughs> Am I? You are. <laughs> oh, cool. Thank you for giving me that title that no one has ever given me before. Um, I don't know, and I'm not entirely sure what Milton Bradley is, so <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure I'm the one to ask here. I wasn't doing a lot in '94. Well, Milton Bradley made. Uh, didn't they make like Candyland and all those games? I had Candyland. My mom threw it away because we wouldn't clean it up. Oh well, they made like no, they made like I think they made Clue, didn't they? Yeah, they uh, definitely made Clue. Story. <laughs> <laughs> She'll get mad that I told it. Oh, no, she won't, because she's the biggest (laughs) fan of the show. She is the very biggest fan of the show. You've told told us so. I have. So, guys, what do you say we just go ahead and jump into this thing? I mean, get get our feet wet, cold open. Let's just kind of crack the, you know, break the ice with crack the case. I'm down. Are you down? Let's do it. James, I know you're going to shit all over the idea. All right, guys, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a case, okay? And at the end of the case, I'll tell you what information is needed. Now, it's up to you to formulate your questions. But again, I can only answer questions with those seven responses. Once again, yes, no, yes and no, irrelevant, I don't know, define what you mean by, and rephrase your question. You ask me those one at a time. And we're going to get to the bottom of the case. Again, the winner is he or she who cracks the case. And again, there's stuff on the line here. You get to pick the next movie after next week, which we're going to let out of the bag at the end of this episode. But let's get it kicked off. All right, here's the case. Colonel Mustard in the kitchen with the candlestick. Well, what's the next movie then, James? Rawhead Ricks. Well... All I can say is I hope you do not win. Okay. But I will be fair and unbiased. James, I've known you a very long time. I've known these other two yahoos only like six years. And it hasn't been a great six years. 
So, here we go. The case. A trail of blood leads from the locker room through the open door of the office. Leon had probably tried to get to the phone, but didn't make it. His body lies beside the coach's desk, near a paperback edition of Frankenstein. Captain Grayson of the police notices that Leon is clutching the last page of the book in his hand. He removes the crumpled page and reads it carefully several times. Oh, yes. He finally mumbles. I get what he was trying to say. Well, this certainly narrows it down. So what had Leon meant by his final act? Who killed him and why? Who's Leon? <laughs> He's the dead guy. All right. So let's open up your questions. Who's going to go first? Uh, let's go by age. So that would be Casey. You go first. Am I allowed to just say what the ending of Frankenstein is? <laughs> well, listen. Well, I don't know what you're what you're trying to get at here. You're just asking me questions. So that was a yes or no question. I guess it was. Yes. The creator dies, hoping that the monster is going to kill himself. I'm just trying to figure out how that would be relevant. Like to read the last page. Um. So we're trying to figure out what the. F <laughs> Well, the that was your one question, so okay. after your one question, you can solve. No. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, what's your question, buddy? Is the <clears throat> person that's lying on the floor dead, Does he is he a member of a sports team? Like, does he play sports? Yes. Um, was he trying to use the phone to call someone? Well, that was your one question. So after your question is answered, you can solve or it goes to Rawhead Rex over here. Oh, no way. <laughs> James, your question. Hmm. What book was in his hand? <laughs> that is not a, uh question i can answer for it does not the answer is not one of the seven responses what is your mother trebek <laughs> casey your question <laughs> so and i'm trying to think of a question that would help at all um say it again i suck but say it again the case yeah. Okay, I can do that. A trail of blood leads from the locker room through the open door of the office. Leon probably tried to get to the phone, but didn't make it. His body lies beside the coach's desk, near a paperback edition of Frankenstein. Captain Grayson of the police notices that Leon is clutching the last page of the book in his hand. He removes the crumpled page and reads it sev several times. Oh yes, he finally mumbles. I get what he's trying to say. Well, this certainly narrows it down. What had Leon meant by his final act? Who killed him and why? Is it Leon's blood? Yes. Okay. I am not solving shit right now. Just so right. clear. Um, you said he was lying next to the coach's desk, correct? Yes. <laughs> now you can solve. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. James? <clears throat> Did he have any shorts on? Irrelevant. Casey, your coach killed him. Why can't I solve it? Yeah, Billy, you didn't even ask if James wanted to solve it. <clears throat> that, that that was fair. That's a fair question. Uh, I did so because I thought James was being obnoxious um, after knowing him for as long as I have. Um, no, the the coach did not kill him. My sincere apologies, James, for assuming you were being obnoxious. Casey, you're then who killed him? If it wasn't the coach, who was it? <laughs> Did he call himself? That was my question. No. Aw. I mean, I shouldn't be disappointed by that. I was just hoping I was right. <laughs> Rick? 
Um, did he just want to see how long the book was and he went to the last page? No. <laughs> Solve? No. James? Why did the inspector read it so many times? Got to be a yes or no. Or yes and no. Irrelevant. I don't know. Define what you mean by and rephrase your question. So, James, rephrase your question. Is the killer in the book? Yes and no. Read as fast as your answer. <laughs> Would you like to solve, James? Uh, Frankenstein. No. Casey, your question. Did his dad kill him? No. I guess that's an attempt as a solve as well. Yeah, sorry. You could ask probing questions as well, you know, to narrow things down a little. Is this uh, in high school? No, but irrelevant. Okay, I have no idea. James? Is Leon... Never mind. Hmm. Is the last... <laughs> is the last page of the book important? Yes. Would you like to solve? Uh... So, what am I trying to solve again? <laughs> Somebody tell him I'm too mad. Like why he was killed? What had Leon meant by his final act? Who killed him and why? What was Leon's final act? Dying? Getting <laughs> killed? Grabbing the page out of the book. I took it to mean grabbing the page out of the book. I'm going to read the last paragraph again. Captain Grayson of the police notices that Leon is clutching the last page of the book in his hand. He removes the crumpled page and reads it carefully several times. Oh, yes, he finally mumbles. I get what he was trying to say. Well, this certainly narrows it down. So, would you like to solve, James? <laughs> so, the final page of the book says the end in every book I've ever read. So that would be fitting for his demise because it was the end of Leon. Are you trying to solve, James? <laughs> or are you just <laughs> rambling? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I'm coming up with my Matlock hypotenuse. I don't think it's a hypotenuse that you're looking for, James. <laughs> I still don't know what I'm looking for. I'm pretty sure Who it's killed him? The quarterback. The quarterback killed him. No. Casey? <laughs> what? Okay, a couple questions. First of all, did you, you pick a hard you one? one? No, no, this is no, this, irrelevant. Is this blue? This, this is an easy one. Some bullshit. Um, <laughs> when do we get a hint? After this round. Mother? Okay. Um, does it matter that the police chief read the last page multiple times? No. Okay. I'm not solving anything. Rick? Um, when he had to make the phone call, was he in some type of distress? Define what you mean by distress. Like, was something chasing after him? <laughs> Define what you mean by chasing. No, no, not chasing. Solve? I'll pass. JB? Um, so I can only ask yes or no questions, right? You can ask questions that get those seven responses. Yes, no, yes and no, irrelevant, I don't know, define what you mean by, and rephrase your question. <sighs> Is he a football player? Yes. Hmm, the end. Good. <laughs> But I still don't know the answer to any of the other questions. <clears throat> and the guy said, that pretty much narrows it down. <clears throat> the end did it. The tight end. Yes, <laughs> he did. 
Um, we still have some remaining questions, though. Who, what are the remaining questions? Why? Why? Is that it? Well, you got one of the questions. Because he was sleeping with his ex-fiance. <laughs> no. <laughs> Casey? I got so stuck on what the actual ending of Frankenstein is. So mad. Um, <laughs> This tight end did it. He left a trail of blood. Mm-hmm. I want a hint. We did just finish the round, didn't we? Mm-hmm. All right. The first clue, or the, yeah, the first clue. The suspects were all members of a college football team. We already know who did it. Yeah. So the hint doesn't tell us why? The, or it's not a useful hint, Billy. I don't I come hope. up with the hints. I can only give them. I hope our listeners are listening to this, like, screaming, because that happens to me on podcasts all the time, and it makes me feel so frustrated. Um, so the tight end did it. This might be a stupid question. I think we've already covered this, but maybe we haven't. Leon is a football player, right? Yeah. Okay. Is that my question? That's probably my question. It is. Would you like to solve? No. Ricky? Um, was, was Leon tackled by someone? No. All right, pass. James? Was Leon the quarterback? Irrelevant. So it's irrelevant what position he played. Correct. Why did the tight end kill Leon? Would you like to solve, James? <laughs> uh, Because the – something to do with the tight end. <laughs> the problem here, guys, is James is a football coach, and he's trying to figure out what kind of uh, what what kind of alibis he's concocted in case he ever killed one of his players. <laughs> All right, I don't know, Casey. I really was hoping that James would solve it. Um, I didn't want it to come back to me. <laughs> uh, does the way in which he was killed matter? No. Mm. What we want to know is. What had Leon meant by his final act? Who killed him? And why? We've solved two of those with one. We only need to know the why. Yeah. Okay. I'm not solving. Rick? Did the policeman know Leon? I don't know. All right. Pass. James? Uh, let's see here. Did Leon owe anybody any money? Yes. Yes, he did. Would you like to? <laughs> would you like to solve? <laughs> uh, no. Casey. James, how did you know that? This doesn't count as a question, Billy. You can answer. How did I know what? That he owed someone money. I didn't. I asked the question if he owed somebody money. But, like, did you have a reason to suspect that? Well, I mean, you're only going to get one or two things. (laughs) Either money or (laughs) sleeping with somebody's wife. That's one or two reasons you get killed. Or both. I would watch CSI James Brown. Um, (laughs) He'd be worse than iced tea. (laughs) (laughs) I was just hoping there was some kind of motivation that he would know why he owed someone money. Um, Did he owe the tight end money, presumably? Rephrase your question. That's a yes or no question. No, Um, he did not owe the tight end money. Would you like to solve? No. Ricky? Was Leon a starter on the football team? Irrelevant. Pass. Jables? Did the tight end owe Leon money? (laughs) No. Would you like to solve? But Leon owed somebody money. So was Leon gambling 
I have answered one question from you already, so that must be a rhetorical question. He killed him because he was throwing the games, Bill. It's like Pete Rose. <laughs> That's that. That is correct, James. Winner, winner, <laughs> chicken dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Investigators must discover that Leon was gambling on the games and was stabbed to death. The key words on the page were the end. The killer was the football team's tight end. Been throwing games to Leon. So, James, please don't say Rawhead Rex is the next one. <laughs> I am the cerebral assassin. <laughs> He really is. James, make the next one Dog Soldiers. What Don't fall for I it, James. Do. Don't <laughs> fall for it. Hmm. I'll have to keep it a secret. So you're going to announce it at the end of the, uh, the episode? I'll announce it at the end of the episode. All right. We're going to hold you to it. Well, guys, that was our first round of Crack the Case. I hope it was fun. I hope it wasn't too drawn out. I think, uh, well, you know, uh, I, I think it was fun. It was, it was fun here, you know, hearing the, the gears turning. They were kind of smoking, honestly. But now, I mean, you know what it's time to do, guys. It's time to get into Evil Dead 2. So, Ricky, let's hit Rick's rundown and get this thing started. All right, man, let's do it. Um, <clears throat> so we're doing Evil Dead. Uh came out March 13th, 1987. Uh, it was made in the United States. Um it is one hour and 24 minutes. It was recorded in mono. Uh, interesting fact about it is it is still banned in Iceland, still banned in Malaysia, and it was banned at one point in Norway. Why? I would think probably because of the gore. Okay. Even even after everything the Norse did to people around the world, they're worried know, right? about gore. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Carry on. Um, it was filmed in North Carolina, uh, Michigan, and a sound studio in North Carolina as well. Um, rated R. I didn't see why it was rated R. I would assume gore, uh, violence. Um, it's considered a horror slash comedy slash black comedy. Um, one tagline is, uh, pleasure, please. And the sequel to the ultimate experience in grueling terror. And well, that's debatable, here. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, director was Sam uh, Raimi. Uh, Bruce Campbell was in it, um, and he's been in a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of other horror movies. He's pretty well known. Um, what about and, the budget? I mean, this, this seemed like an upgrade to the first Evil Dead, which this is Evil Dead Two. Um, but supposedly this was a, uh, I guess, a, an uptick in budget for Sam Raimi. But looking at the, you know, the graphics. And the the makeup. Surely this thing was well more expensive than it looked. Uh, yeah. I mean, surprisingly, um, the the budget was pretty low uh, for the time. Um, it was about estimated three million six hundred thousand dollars. So I have something to input about the budget and financing of the movie too. Please. Do. So the first movie came out in nineteen eighty one, and then in nineteen eighty six, Stephen King's directorial debut and I believe his final director credit, uh, Maximum Overdrive, came out, Yo. and he worked with the producer of Evil Dead Two, Dino De Laurentiis, and Stephen King was such a fan of the first one that he convinced Dino De Laurentiis to have his production company finance this movie. 
So Stephen King is part of the reason that this movie got financed to be made. That's pretty amazing. And uh, also, I was going to add that De Laurentiis, or Laurentiis, whatever you say his name, he was over everything in the 80s. So a lot lot of movies people have seen, he did production for, uh, a lot of well-known, not just horror movies, movies in general. Um, I was going to say opening weekend, March 15th, 87, it did $807,260, and then it grossed. $5,923.44. Necronomicon Ex Mortis, The Book of the Dead. I am fairly certain that I bought that at a Scholastic Book Fair, guys, in fourth grade. I don't know. (laughs) I could be wrong about that. Uh, It may have been later. James, this, this is all you're doing, man. This is every bit of you. Okay, you talk about this movie was a rite of passage for children in your family. That explains a lot, knowing your family, okay? But they're kicking this movie off, you know, making damn sure that we know that this book isn't one to fuck with, right? And I don't know if the narrator is reading this, you know, if he's reading off the table of contents or just what, you know, the book can bring. But I already know the esteemed Dewey Decimal would have nothing to do with this fucking book. I'm pretty sure his name wasn't Dewey Decimal. It was a decimal system named after someone named Dewey. But maybe, you know, one of the kids from DuckTales or something. I don't know. But what do we know about this book, James? Uh, Give it to me in smart hillbilly terms. Well, basically, it's probably the demon Bible, I would say. Uh, The demon Bible. Something you don't want to fool with. Well, it sounds like something I don't want to fool with. Something you definitely don't want to read out loud. Well, no shit. Oh, absolutely not. Well, the book disappeared in like 1300 A.D., so that's a red flag already. You know, who's doing what with the demented literature that was spilled onto those pages, guys, right? But, I mean, eventually somebody had to uncover it. You know, the good Buddha said three things cannot remain long hidden. The sun, the moon, and the truth. Well, this is the truth, and I don't know if we're ready for it. So, we're kicking this thing off. It's kind of another, uh, uh, it's another one of those... You know, people minding their own business in the beginning kind of things, and then shit just kind of goes bad for them. But, you know, it's looking like a romantic getaway, you know, over a, a very secure and not evil-looking bridge. And, uh, fuck that. This whole trip looks like a revised version of the, the trip dude took at the beginning of Nosferatu, going up the mountains. <laughs> and it's like, nothing looks good. I would never go anywhere that looked like this. Right? Not He's e- going on a vacation looking like this. I'll go anywhere Bruce Campbell takes me. Well, I guess we'll have to get into that in a little bit because, uh, <laughs> well, hell with it. Let's just not even skip it. I mean, I, I you know, it, what was it? When a stranger calls, I gave my hammer award to Carol Kane in The Descent. I gave it to, uh, was it Natalie Mendoza? Is that her name? Yeah, Juno. Yeah, Juno. In this one, the hammer award goes to none other than Bruce Campbell. That fucking jawline, man. Like, he could open bottles with that chin, you know? He, he's, he's just chiseled out of granite, and I want to look like him. That's all I know. James, what say you? I say that's one handsome man. <laughs> you know what? If James will admit it, I don't feel bad whatsoever. But you know what? We join this, you know, this couple. Um, it almost gives me some vibes from The Shining. You know, you get that long trip. You know, the 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 narrow road in the in the old car, which is probably a brand new fucking car when you know the movie was made. But, um, you know, this is, um, you know, Bruce Campbell's a fucking savage here. You know, I'm, I'm convinced now of, you know, him receiving the Hammer Award. And, you know, when we really look at these movies, and I want to kind of explain the concept of the Hammer Award, okay? When I was younger, 
my dad would always tell me things that he probably probably shouldn't have told me at my young age. Like we'd be driving and he'd see uh, a woman that maybe looked fantastic to him. And he'd say, son, now that gal right there, she's a hammer. And I just didn't know what that meant until way later. Okay. But the hammer award goes to the most attractive person in the film. Bar none, especially having seen what happened to uh, Ash's girlfriend in this one. She starts out really pretty, but turns out not to be so pretty after all. But Ash Williams, Hammer Award, Evil Dead 2. Now, what we need to do right now, guys, we got to address the elephant in the room. Is this movie a sequel to Evil Dead or is it a remake slash standalone film? And James, I don't know if you want to go first or last because you woke me up this morning with text messages talking about, I can't even remember what you said. You know, I'll, I'll look it up. I'm, I'm not going to miss uh, misquote you because I know you won't have that shit still trying to find it. <laughs> I'll have you know it's a remake. So you are telling me. Standalone film. How so, James? It's Evil Dead 2, part 2. It's just a rebuild. They couldn't get the rights to the first movie, so they made a whole new movie just so they could go back in time. So this fucker at 8.30 a.m. Medieval times. 8.30 8.30 a.m. I'm not even up for work yet. And the very first thing that he texts, not good morning, not, oh, I haven't talked to you in a couple of days. No. Everything I've listened to says this thing's a remake. And I can read it in his voice, too. James, is, is that all you've got? Because th- this is one of those things, James, that has bothered me since we brought up the film. Because th- the thought was we were going to, if we were going to do a movie that had multiple sequels, that the ground rule was we were going to start with part one. And when I asked you, I said, hey, well, we, we got to start with part one. You were like, uh, this really is part one because it's a remake of, of the first one. And everything that I've seen, IMDb, Wikipedia, my own logic, says that, no, this movie is a sequel. It is a straight-up sequel. Oh, yeah, because you can believe all three of those. (laughs) IMDb is pretty much the, uh, you know, the the, the what's what. Can't you go on there and write anything you want to in there? No, that's that's Wikipedia. Hmm. You look there, too, for answers. Well, I mean, I used it as a reference, but I mean, just, Either you way, said one thing that was right. Said, little, that word you made up to prove your point. <laughs> I didn't make up a word. Rick Tom or something. <laughs> it's a retcon. That's what you were talking about when you were Even if it's one retcon. of those, a still, still it's going to be a standalone movie. It's, Even if they had to rewrite it. The first seven minutes, this magical seven-minute number I get, this magical number I get this morning, oh, seven minutes is a totally different movie. <laughs> okay, James, what you're referring to right now is the first seven minutes. I said that the girlfriend, Linda, was dead within the first seven minutes, whereas in the first movie she was dead well over half halfway into it. But my point was... That once that seven-minute mark hit, it's the new material. So what I said was Sam Raimi didn't have all the rights to the first movie. She can't die at the same exact minute of each movie because it's two different movies. Of course it's two different movies. If you play these two movies 
side by side, it's two different movies. Stand alone. Right. right, but if you Stand stretch alone. out the first seven minutes of this movie, you get b- the basic concept of what happened in the first one. The thing is, Sam Raimi didn't have all the rights to the first movie. That is one thing that you said that was correct. So he had to reshoot the first part that he was going to use as the recap to the first installment. So instead of having all the actors, he changed the story, thus doing a retcon, which is a retroactive continuity, and made it to where only Ash and his girlfriend Linda were the ones on this excursion. But once the film reaches a certain point, which is that seven-minute point we were talking about, we've now reached beyond part one, and that's the new material where Evil Dead 2 is beginning. And it's, it's pretty confusing, but for a man who's seen this movie over a thousand times, it should be easier than it seems. I say this is a standalone movie. Well, one thing we need to do is is figure out what constitutes a sequel, what constitutes a remake, and what constitutes a reboot. And I, I think instead of arguing with you, which I will do for hours, I told hours. you, I told you the other day that if they wanted to make a sequel, they would have just started from him at the end of the first movie being attacked like he was at the first movie. And then waking up, and these people that show up in the second movie have got him back in the cabin and want him to know what's going on. Right, but like many horror films then do, she could ask they recap where the my dad is and all this stuff, because guess what? All that's in the first movie, too. We don't have to have all this seven minutes of rectum to be <laughs> forced upon you. If it wasn't going to be a standalone movie. It can be a standalone movie because they recap the first movie. Can it? Can it be? It can be. But we're looking at, okay, so well, I, I need input from Casey is a and Rick standalone movie. I need, uh, I need input from Casey and Rick on this one because my belief is that a sequel is just straight up same characters, same cast with a continuance of the story from the, the previous film. A reboot is... is well, how about a remake is a movie that simply creates a film based on a previous film with different cast, but with the story remaining intact for the most part. And then a reboot, same thought as a remake, except this time creative control is exercised and the story changes to the liking of the writers, directors, etc. So this movie, with the opening part, the retcon is what we are going in back in time and changing. Instead of it being five people going to a cabin, we've only got two. But we They recap- made a movie. Oh, God. Everybody got killed in it. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make a franchise sequel to it, mm-hmm. so they had to redo it. They don't have to. Come up with this whole new scheme. That scheme could have remained the same. And they could have just have, left everybody dead. They didn't have the rights. They didn't have the rights to it. So they had to name it Evil Dead 2. That makes no fucking sense, James. None at all. <laughs> it makes complete sense. All right, let, let's hear from Rick and Casey. Okay, so I'd like to delve into the definitions of reboot, remake, and sequel. Because know. what? Because I think a sequel can be, no wait, I think a reboot can be a sequel. And I say this, or a prequel, I say this because if you look at film franchises that have done reboots, they're still considered part of the cinematic universe. They're still considered sequels, but they bring back a franchise that maybe ended, you know, 
know, 20 years ago. If you look at Star Wars and you go from episode six to episode one, it's a reboot. You're not starting with all the same characters and everything, but it's still considered prequels and sequels and all that when you go into those. If you look at Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, you don't have to have seen Jurassic Park to watch Jurassic World, but it's still considered part of the universe and it's still considered sequels, but it's a reboot. But isn't that just a flaw in the in the nomenclature? Maybe you're a flaw in the nomenclature. You know what? There's no flaw in my nomenclature, okay? <laughs> if something is in the same universe and happens at a different time, whether there are new characters or not, that's a sequel to me. Episodes... What's a nomenclature? Uh, <laughs> episodes 1, 2, and 3 are prequels to uh, 4, 5, and 6. In, in Star Wars. That, that is something that was said from the beginning. Prequel. They never called it a reboot oh. back when they were made. They called them prequels. But is it not a reboot? It's not. It's a prequel. How is What's it not a reboot? It came out, nomenclature is like the, like a divisive of names. So Billy's basically just saying it's a misnomer, like it's a, it's an inaccurate assignment of the class. That's what, that's what I think. In the Star Wars universe, that is not a reboot. How? Just because they, they, just because they waited a long time to make it, it's still in the same universe, the same storyline. Nothing has changed. Then what is a reboot to you if it's not the same universe? What would you be rebooting? How about I do it better in an example? Rob Zombie's Rob Zombie's Halloween versus uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. Rob Zombie's Halloween <laughs> sucks shit. But that doesn't Rab. matter. That that is irrelevant. That that it's that it sucks shit. The first one does not suck. The second one does. But Rab the uh, <laughs> the whole. <laughs> I'm not even going to edit it. God damn it! Why did James <laughs> have to hear that? God, that kills me. But it does not matter that Rob Zombie's <laughs> version of uh, Halloween sucks. It matters that it was rebooted with new people telling his creative, uh, you know, his creative thoughts for Michael Myers' history. The history in Star Wars did not change. It was still all the same in uh, in, in the whole timeline of action. So that is not a re- it's just a prequel. So, Listen to this crazy little tidbit, Rab. And then 7, 8, and 9 are sequels. So Sam Raimi made this movie. I forget the name of it. But anyway, it tanked. And the only thing that they could come up with is the Evil Dead 2 to make a comeback because they had done so bad with this movie. Well, the first movie made pretty good money. So they said, hey, let's do this and name it Evil Dead 2. But really, they just made a whole new movie because they didn't have the rights to the rest of it. Right. So they didn't have the rights to the to the first movie because there was another uh, another person involved who was not going to be involved in this one. But that doesn't mean that it's not a sequel. My argument is that this is a sequel, but that it is also a reboot of the franchise. And I would say that Rob Zombie's terrible Halloween movies are a reimagining of the franchise. Now we've got just too many different names for floating out there <laughs> a reimagining that's a reboot mm, i don't know to me a reboot is to get something back started it can still have the same well, characters and make up words still... to back up our narrative <laughs> reimagining is not a made-up word <laughs> it is the james he's he's only imagined once he's never reimagined anything <laughs> rab um rick Let's hear from you. What say you on this debacle of a conversation? Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. I I think it's a I think it's a sequel, and I guess I mean I don't know. I think 
certain movies can be rebooted, remade, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's the original Black Christmas that came out in 1976, and there's the horrible piece of crap remake that came out in the 2000s. I had not know that that movie was not terrible. Anything that, that Lacey Chabert is in, it is okay that, with me. And that is not a that is not a re that is not a remake. That is a reboot. That is a just we're just going to make a same slap the same name on the movie and do completely different. So well, that's a remake to me because there yes. is no there is no saga to me. Right. A re a reboot ha- one important part of a reboot to me is that there has to be a saga with sequels. Um, because then it's there a franchise a saga that has, with sequels, not black and Christmas. a whole franchise. I'm not talking black about Black Christmas. I'm talking about Evil Dead. Well, we'll get back to Evil Dead in a second. I think the second Black Christmas was a remake. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay, what I mean. um, but back to your bullshit, James. There's no way that this thing could be a, a reboot. If if so, then what's the point of bringing Ash and his girlfriend back, the same two actors? To play in a role. What's supposed to, What? The girl actor is a different actor. Bruce Campbell is Bruce Campbell. Okay, you well, bring him back. Th- you don't have to if you're just making a. a, a if you're rebooting a franchise. Whoa. Bruce Campbell makes the whole movie instant classic. I would agree with that. 1,000%. I have n- I've got no argument for that whatsoever. So you have to bring him back. Yeah, I, I agree you have to bring him back, but if you do and you continue on from the end of part one, then that is a sequel. The only thing that you've done is retconned the recap. Like at the beginning of uh, Friday the 13th Part 3, you see the last, say, three, four minutes of Friday the 13th Part 2. Totally fine. They used the actual footage from the movie. In this one, you could not do such a thing because Part 1 had additional people involved in the, in the making of the movie that were not going to be included in this one, so the rights were not the, the rights were not had to do such a thing, right? So they reshoot, they change the history a little bit, and now watching Part 2, this is the, the first seven minutes that we keep referring to is what we now have in our heads as what the history of Evil Dead is. Recapped and up until the point where he... Ba- sequel. Well, why do you then, think that it takes so well, such a so short time to bury it? would have to start. Why? Why even take the seven minutes? Just start from him in the puddle of water. Because then Boom, you get that's to all change. You gotta do. Because no, then Sam Raimi gets no to change backstory, everything. No nothing. Then Sam Raimi gets to change the the history of it for him and his story and the way he wants to continue things. My thing is, why would they name it Evil Dead Two if it wasn't a sequel? It's the same thing like Halloween Two. It literally is a continuation and a direct sequel to Halloween One. James's argument is James's argument is that they do it for uh, satire. But Halloween Three season of the witch has nothing to do with it. Correct, but Halloween was supposed to be a standalone series to begin with. It wasn't supposed to even have a second movie. I'm just pushing my stance entirely and helping James. Well, there was no reason for that, Casey. (laughs) I just like to argue all points and not make up my mind on any of them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys, final verdict. Rick? It's a sequel. Casey? Sequel slash reboot. Good God, you can't have both. I can have it all. (sighs) My empire of dirt. I (laughs) (laughs) am saying sequel. James? Standalone movie. What's well, not a standalone? It's it's, it's yeah. It's, a, it's only one. There's only one Evil Dead, and it's Evil Dead Two. Well, what about Army of Darkness? It's a reboot to a for you. It's a reboot of a franchise, or what was to be a franchise. No, that is a sequel to Evil Dead Two. Okay, hence 
Evil Dead 3, Army of Darkness. Okay. We're never going to agree on it, James. We're going to put up a Twitter poll, though. If anything's anything, Army of Darkness is a definition movie sequel. Why? Because at the end of the second movie, he gets sucked back in time, and he wakes up in the third movie back in time. Very good, James. I still say Evil Dead 2 is a sequel. But we're going to agree to disagree. We're probably just going to disagree to disagree. But let's go ahead and jump into uh, the, the story here. So like all young adults do, Ash and the lovely Linda have gone to the deserted cabin for some unadulterated sex. But before that can happen, and it was very likely on the verge of happening, Ash walks upon the Necronomicon Ex Mortis. Book of the Dead, and the recorded ramblings of one Professor Raymond Noby. I guess you know him already, James, but Professor Noby knew the Book of the Dead was on Audible back in the day, so uh, yeah, he's just going to narrate that for him, get shit started. Oh, by the way, you can now hear Slashers and Screamers on Audible now, so um, yeah, check that out. But as Ash is listening to these tapes, I guess the voice of the good professor is summoning these evil entities that were uh, mentioned in the opening. That was a fucked up opening, by the way, James. Uh, you know, their intro to the Book of the Dead. You, you see all kinds of shit that's waiting on us. And, man, I didn't know really where this movie was going to go. Because, again, I'm new to the franchise. I'm giving you credit for, I guess, introducing me on a more intimate level to Evil Dead. But up until watching, I was never a big fan of these movies. It was just a, a whole lot of roller coastery, random shit happening that was just there for shock value. But there's much more than, than, than meets the eye in this movie. So I'm giving you tons of credit, James. All right. You better be appreciative because I don't even give you credit on things you do right. So the entities wasted no time getting down to business. Like as soon as the first words were read on this tape, we, we cut to what's kind of known as an iconic shot for this movie. I don't know if you guys have information on this shot, but I mean, I, I think it was one of the first types of, uh, of this type of shot. It's low to the ground, quickly approaching the cabin, very few breaks in the scene done in like one or two shots. So it's hard to look away from it. You know, you get the first person view of this entity or creature. And I still don't know what it is. So what, what's the thing that we, we see, you know, running through the, the, the forest there, running through the woods? Is it a creature? Is it an entity? What is Ash running from when he sees this shit? It's evil personified, Bill. Personified. So it's a... Per I'm just it sounds fit. like a race car. It sounds like a race car? Yeah. I didn't hear that. Don't sound like evil to me. Well, we don't get to see the action, but the creature apparently attacks Linda through the window. Uh, Ash goes in to find her in the woods, and you know we find that she's no longer the Linda we knew. Okay, she's now seemingly possessed by something and attacks Ash. But because Ash is a fucking hammer, he swings a shovel, beheads her without asking any questions. Like, hey, are you just joking, or is that a mask? I mean, I've been wrong before. If you remember, you know, last week and the story of James stepping on my head because I was wearing a monkey mask and hiding under his bed. Sometimes you got to stop and ask questions. But no, he, he just chops her head off without asking anything. I honestly think this is where James gets his reactions. He didn't ask questions either. It was just kill first, ask questions later. So, up to this point, I feel like things are moving pretty fast. So, of course, Ash then digs a grave for Linda. And before you ask why this is all happening so fast, it's because it's a recap of the first movie and you can't spend too much time on a recap. Are there any arguments to that? I'll not respond to your, uh, what is it called when you try to bait somebody with your... 
statements. <laughs> I think bait was a good assessment of what it, what that was. Well, it, yeah, when, when James says bait, he throw, about when he throws stuff out there trying to sucker me in to say something. Yeah, that's bait. I'll not be baited, Bill. <laughs> well, I think, and this is just my opinion, it's obviously not James's opinion, the very next scene is where the proposed new material begins for Evil Dead 2, as Ash has now buried Linda, but we once again see that awesome camera sequence of the creature slash entity, we're not sure yet, and how it's just zooming through the woods, busting down doors in the cabin, back out the, the, the back door and into Ash. And I don't know how you can look upon this and not see this, that the leap into the sequel from part one is right here at this scene. Face down in the mud puddle, you know, after being attacked by this entity, he finds himself, you know, lying face down in the puddle, which ironically I tried to do at least three times while watching this. And when he comes to, he seems to have been possessed as well. All right, they, they, they might have cut the scene where he took some Benadryl because it wears off pretty quickly. Now, what I can't figure out is this: uh, is this change from from Ash? Is this happening like when the daylight breaks, or or what is this? Why does it come and go so quickly with him? We don't specifically know the time at which how long he laid in that puddle. No, but we have the specific time when he. You know, I'm gonna back off that one. That's pretty good. And considering the time at which it was daylight and then all of a sudden it got really dark he'd probably been laying there for quite some time okay that's fair well the entity retreats and um you know it, it, it doesn't seem that difficult to fool honestly because it's chasing ash through the cabin basically just loses track of him and says well guess i'm going back outside so this isn't necessarily the the smartest adversary it's just a really demented adversary and you know, then we meet for a very brief moment the, the some new players in the Evil Dead game. There, there's Annie. I think it's more than one, two. More than one entity. Yeah. Okay, so that's very possible. When when I watch this, I just assume that the camera angle, you know, the low to the ground zooming through one shot type of angle, that is one entity that might be kind of um that might be ca- kind of calling the shots you know if if Godzilla is king of the monsters this one is uh king of the entity is that not i know you're going to want to argue it just because you're awake but th- does that not make any sense to you sure well don't just say it because i'm saying it james <laughs> i do not know <laughs> that'll be the only time we fucking hear you say that tonight well <laughs> I'll just tell you, when it comes to monster movies and such, I think that uh, there's several different ones because, you know, there's one because people get possessed. It can't just possess some person and then another one and another one. Like, it has to be different ones. Can't possess, like, two or three people at a time. You think that demons can't multitask? (sighs) I think they probably have to have a pretty strong hold on one thing at a time to be able to do what they do. Casey, Rick, is this one entity or many? I think it's one general force, one general entity. Okay, when they say join us, us is plural. Oh, fuck. True. I always think of that as kind of like like us as in like all spirits and all things like that. But yeah, you're right. And we, we will swallow your soul. We, not I. (laughs) Hmm. 
I'm gonna yeah, have to go back I, and watch I, I that. I think one. it's it's I think it's more than one because it's the Book of the Dead. It's not the Book of a Dead or you know it's I think it's more than one. Sure, but when when the the professor summoned these creatures or was it was it one creature that he summoned that is now representing all of evil who didn't come along on the trip or is it or are we just being overrun by multiple demons now multiple entities or does it even fucking matter well i think it also says something about opening a, a door to another dimension so i mean they could be just coming through and being like hey what's that right there let me go in there Okay, well, I, mean, I don't know how the monster dimension works, but I mean, I'm sure there's rambling around. Well, you sure as fuck act like you do. Okay, so back at the cabin, Ash, he's come out of hiding. He's checking around the cabin. Uh, you know, he's checking around for danger. The piano starts playing itself, and I'm beginning to think he was never playing it to begin with. You know, remember at the beginning, he was playing the piano while his girl was dancing around. I think it's probably one of those self-playing pianos. But anyway, his attention is drawn outside, uh, where he's gonna find his beloved Linda. She's returned. And she looks a little different. James, what's going on in this scene? Uh, I think she just come back from the dead, and uh, she's dancing headless, right? She is dancing headless at that point because he he took her head off with that shovel, the, the the sharp end of that shovel. And one scene that I remember, James, this is something I remembered. It may be my only memory from watching this movie as a child. And I don't mean I sat down and watched it. I mean, I was walking through the living room, saw it, and probably ran the hell out. But one thing I did remember from my childhood was the part where Linda bends over and her head rolls to her and attaches to her neck. I'll always remember that as my first thought of Evil Dead. So I probably never even saw the first one. But there she is. She's now Tim Burton herself. And, you know, she's very much up and walking around. Seemingly it was the piano who awoke her from her slumber. So I don't know. What do you guys think about the, I guess, the animation here? It's very much like claymation. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know who the makeup artists were. I don't know who created these, I guess, these figures. Yeah, I was going like to say, I, it, looked, it looked like claymation to me, that scene. Yeah, and a, not only that scene, but a lot of them, you know, coming forward, uh, you know, when the transformations happen from, like, one face to another, looks right. very claymation. Yeah. Um, who, do you remember who did the uh, uh, the makeup and such? I don't know, like, what kind of designers worked on this? And the designers are the people that are now doing The Walking Dead. So, like, Nicotero and all those guys? Yes, this is some of their very first work, Bill. The makeup and the phone and all that stuff. Are you out in the woods right now looking for that entity? <laughs> yes. I may or may not be outside looking around. Why do I hear a, a giant fucking bullfrog? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Well, Ash is having a rough time here. What? I'm in a cabin right now. I'm in a cabin right now. So you wanted to get the full effect. You you wanted to talk about Evil Dead while summoning some Evil Dead. Yes. Okay, well, all right. Ash is having a rough time here, guys. He's got heads falling in his lap, biting his hand. He's slamming it everywhere, but it won't let go. And and this is largely a one-man show, okay? This movie, a large portion of it is a a one-man show. Not, I mean... Only to be rivaled later on by Tom Hanks and Castaway. Okay, I get those kind of vibes from this. Of course, the, the vibes from the movie themselves, the movies themselves, very different. But putting on a one-man show, I, I think it goes unspoken, you know, largely how difficult 
and how convincing you have to be. That's why Bruce Campbell, he gets a, a, a just a different level of, of respect from me based on, you know, the part where Linda's gone and the next batch of characters show up. But Bruce Campbell's a badass in this. What say you? Yes, absolutely. I say Bruce Campbell is the man. Well, he starts to turn on himself after the encounter with undead Linda. And, of course, he he attacks himself in the mirror. And then we're kind of given a tease of something that's to come as uh, his hand is starting to take on a life of itself. Now, I think he doesn't know if he's if this is real or this is a dream at that point in time. Oh, for sure. Because nothing has really happened that. I guess, well, I don't know. I mean, he did have to physically pick up a shovel and behead his beloved. I think that would feel a little bit more surreal than just a dream. But, yeah, he, he's he got to be asking some questions right now. And I guess he is unsure of what's going on. But, I mean, before we get to our characters, you know, the new characters, um, I mean, how do we feel about this performance by Bruce Campbell? And where does he stand among the horror elite? And I'm talking about, you know, our our, our big names, our Jasons, our Freddies, our Michael Myers, our Leatherface, our, our Chuckies, our Pinheads, our Jigsaws. Where does he rank? None of them stand a chance against Bruce Campbell. James, I'm starting to pick up your bias. <laughs> well, all those are evil villains, Bill. And Bruce Campbell is a hero. Of course, of of course. But just among those who are in these movies, all right, the guys that they're household names at this point. I mean, you, you can say, oh yeah, man, I'm gonna go go home, probably watch Jason on, on Halloween night. You don't have to say I'm going to watch Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, you you know what they're talking about when they're talking about Jason. Could I go home and say, you know what, I'm gonna go see, uh, go home and watch Ash? I don't think you can do that. So for me, he's just off the Mount Rushmore. I think everybody knows who Ash is, Bill. I don't know about that. I don't think that people who aren't horror fans know who Ash is. But non-horror fans definitely know who Jason and Michael Myers are. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think he's a very... I don't, you know, if you ask non-horror people, people like Billy's saying, I don't, they would have no clue who he is, in my opinion. No idea. But I would be disappointed in a horror person if they didn't know who he was. Oh, and I a think horror it, person for sure. Well, of course, yeah. I'm just saying if you like horror movies at all and you were to reference Ash Williams and they didn't know what you were talking about, I would be disappointed kind of thing. Like, I wouldn't expect it out of a normal person, but it's absolutely expected out of another horror lover. I asked 100 people, 75 of them would say, I know who that is. Horror people or just people? Random people on the street. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. Not at all. That that's. I think that maybe is like ten percent. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm leaning closer to twenty. I think that's way too low. And There's it's a lot only of people twenty. Evil Dead. They don't even like horror. I don't know that. The, I don't know that non-horror people would last twenty minutes in Evil Dead because this is a, like very bad to the naked eye. And non-horror people come into horror flicks with a naked eye. The only reason that you know more people mainstream know who. Ash Williams is is because of the new series Ash versus Evil Dead, and if they're stuck on whatever network Ash versus Evil Dead is still the same thing as Evil Dead. Yeah, but it and that's probably brought a lot of people to watch the movies. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say over fifty percent would know who Ash Williams is. 
I don't know that you were you were using Ash versus Evil Dead in your seventy five percent prognosis though, James. <laughs> I think you were using it off of the original movies. <laughs> I just I said seventy five percent of people would know that who is Ash way Williams high. is. And you just totally based on Evil Dead. You dropped twenty five percent after I brought up Ash versus Evil Dead. <laughs> I'm going back to seventy five percent and holding strong. <laughs> well, it's a good thing we can't put it to the test. Oh, but we can. Well, you go ahead and let us how let us know how it goes. And I don't want any of your family questions because they're just as jacked up as you are. But <laughs> I think the next scene, the next scene, and this might be one of my favorites, and on and it kind of further validates Bruce as part of the elite. All right, he, when, when his newly demented hand continues its onslaught, just I mean, it's beating the hell out of him. Oh no, he's not elite. Ten percent of people don't even know who he is. Who said ten? Over ninety percent of people do not know who Ash Williams is. Um, that is a from your from your st- statistics. Try that again. Statistics. Okay, so my statistics were based off of all people, not horror people. I agreed with Casey that horror people should know who Ash Williams is. But if you're just watching Matlock and the Golden Girls, you know, throughout the day, then you might not know who Ash Williams is. And those people exist. Bill, <sighs> this movie come out in 1987. It did. Do you know how many? Rick also came out in 1987. <laughs> exploitation films come out at the exact same time. The reason why it had such a high rating. Exploitation films were much older. X rating. Gore films, whatever. uh, Snuff films, whatever you want to call them. Come out in in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Why this movie was banned in so many countries because it was looped in with all those movies, which it was not one of those movies. It kind of was. Oh my god! I mean, but it, I mean, it, 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 at the same time though, the eighties was a different time. The Satanic Panic and you know all that yeah. stuff. So yeah, you Satanist. I want to tell you right now, eight <laughs> percent of the people that you ask do not know who Ash Williams is. I will eat my hat on live James. TV. Yeah. <laughs> James, if I could get us on live TV, we wouldn't be doing this fucking podcast, okay? I can tell you that right now. But back we'll to the We'll do a live story. episode of the podcast, a live oh. video episode of the podcast where James eats a hat. I would love to do a live episode <laughs> of the podcast. You guys are welcome to come up to the Tennessee Welcome Center. I will get these guys to sign off on it, sign waivers or whatever in case some demons really do infect the place. And, yeah, we'll make that happen because, James, you will be eating that hat. And your ever fluctuating percentage uh, can't change that. <laughs> it's staying higher than sixty-five percent. <laughs> the first time I've heard a sixty in, in your percentage all night. All right, so the hand keeps attacking Ash. It's got him knocked out cold. It's been beating him up with plates and kitchenware, and you know, in, in one of the coolest sequences, even though it's a minor sequence. The hand, you know, it, it looks over, it sees that cleaver line on the floor, and it just it attempts to drag Ash toward it. You know, he just digs into the floor and is just dragging him inch by inch. And just as the hand is about to grab that cleaver, up comes Ash, putting a knife into his own evil hand, pinning it to the floor, follows up with a chainsaw that he starts with his teeth, mind you, severs a hand from his ever-turning body, and he's yelling, who's laughing now? 
Hoffman. I love the irony in that question because, of course, the one laughing now must be the one sawing off his own hand, right? And then when Ash puts a cover on top of the severed hand, he uses some, some books to add weight to the cover, right? And did anybody see the title of the top book? I did. It was A Farewell to Arms. <laughs> a Farewell to Arms. Is that not amazing? I love it. Yes, this whole movie's amazing. <laughs> The you could have said any book. <laughs> you know, they put the uh, the house in the hole in the side of the tree on top. Was that genius or what? Yes, it is fucking amazing, Bill. They put green eggs and ham on top of the stack of books. Incredible. What irony. Green <laughs> eggs and ham. It's a, it's a wonderful, Bill. Good God. Well, the hand wouldn't remain long trapped, though. There's a fun sequence where Ash is kind of trying to shoot the hand. He misses. But, you know, that, the hand's caught in a mouse trap. It's flipping him off. And it's nothing that adds to the story, but it's good for a quick laugh. You know, the, the delirium of all the home decor coming to life. Like, I don't know what the sequence was all about other than just trying to drive home the fact that there's no rhyme nor reason to what's going on. But I think it's a fun sequence, and it kind of drives home the fact how crazy this night is for Ash. Definitely. Well, the one-man show kind of comes to an end at this point, though. But, I mean, it's not going appreciated, because like I said, this, uh, this I don't want to call him, it's not a monologue. What do you call this, where uh, it's just like a, a single actor going through a long, um, long trial? I don't know. What would you consider that? You literary types. That would be all three of you, not me. Is there such a An word? An odyssey. Oh, mm, I like that. A hero's James. journey. Yeah, I like that. Man, just when you think that he's just full of Bud Light and Copenhagen, he comes out with Odyssey. I'm proud of you, James. I don't tell you that it's enough. Your cerebral assassin. Gosh. They don't call me the cerebral assassin for nothing. You could have just removed for nothing. <laughs> You're laughing, but he's right. <laughs> he solved the fuck out of our game earlier. Now he's coming out with Odyssey. Don't give him too much credit. Good. Done. Please. Credit given. Man, he's going to have a head like Barry my, my brain works like a massive computer. <laughs> yeah, with with knobs that have an Etch-a-Sketch. God damn it, James. Well, all right. So we, we then learned through the tapes of the dead that the professor's wife, Henrietta, has all also been possessed and even tried to kill the professor. So he buries her in the in the fruit cellar where Ash had been thrown by our newcomers, who apparently the daughter, uh, her name is Annie, right? So Annie is the daughter of Professor Noby. And she's there with the missing pages from the Necronomicon Ex Mortis. What are we going to do with those pages? I don't know. We're going to see. But they kick the shit out of Ash because they think that he's done something to their parents or her parents. And, uh, or maybe not her parents. Well, yeah, maybe her parents. But they throw him in the fruit cellar. And, you know, we then learn through the tapes of the dead that Henrietta was down in the cellar. Not only is she, de she's down there, right? Now, I already hated the idea of being in a dark cellar, but now Henrietta has burst through the cellar floor, and she looks better than you'd think. Does she? She does, I think. I mean, she stands up, and she's all thick. I mean... I'm just saying, she's not the hammer of the movie. She's not the hammer of the movie, but that those are impossible standards with Bruce Campbell. Okay, if you put Car uh, you put Carol Kane, you put Natalie Mendoza, and you put Bruce Campbell in a movie, 
I'm going to struggle to figure out which one the hammer is. Okay. Well, but yeah, Henrietta, she, you know, she sounds like a chain smoker from Waffle House. Uh, but honestly, I mean, I'd thinking about it, I'd probably still eat the waffles. Not a big deal. But, you know, my, my question here was, you know, she was already pretty hideous and she's already dead. Did, did she become further dead when the face transformed into that Tim Burton character? You know, when we get, get the claymation going on, like maybe the goal of this film was to get as absurd as possible, but being plenty dead, what could turning her face into a claymation figure have benefited? Am I putting too much thought into it? Before that, that scream from Ash still gets me every time. Elaborate. When she comes out of the floor and he screams like a little girl, it's a funny oh. part, Bill. Oh, yeah. See, I I should have brought that up. But, you know, it, it's hard to really pinpoint anything for me anyway. You've seen the movie a thousand times. I've seen it, you know, four times over the last week. But it's hard to pinpoint any one thing that he does because everything he does in this movie is excellent. And I don't mean that to, to hype. We're not getting anything for hyping this movie up. But to me, Bruce Campbell gets a whole new level of respect. Like I said, I added Ash vs. Evil Dead to my Netflix queue after watching this. I want to see more of him, and I'm not going to sit and watch that damn, uh, what was it, Burn Notice? Was that the show he was on? Of course USA? you did, Bill. Oh, God damn it, James. Wait, is Ash vs. Evil Dead on Netflix? Isn't it? Yeah, it is. Oh, that's yes. exciting. Yeah, I, I, that's going to be my next thing after I watch the IT crowd and Arrested Development maybe five more times. You should probably just start watching Ash vs. Evil Dead. You never watch anything I want you to watch, James. Billy, you never watch anything I want you to watch. Rick, does Casey watch anything you ever that she ever wants you to watch? Wait, does fuck? <laughs> I don't know what my question is. I watched that Japanese uh, I zombie I know, movie I don't, I don't, series. I don't have Oh, Rick's Elite. He doesn't want to have Netflix. I watched Cobra Kai. Wait a minute. You should have watched Cobra Kai with or without my input. I watched that zombie movie, that Tijuana zombie movie. Not Tijuana, Taiwan. <laughs> Korean. <laughs> Korean zombie movie. Where did this movie happen? <laughs> Texas. <laughs> <laughs> No, Perea. Back in olden times. James, you suggested that one to me. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty good film there. <laughs> Do you see how quickly an opinion can change based off of who suggested it? What movie is this? I think it's called Kingdom. Okay. It's it's a... Yeah, y'all need to watch that because that's pretty good. I can't remember if it's Korean or, or Japanese. Um... But it is no, very it's Korean. Good. Is it Korean? It is it is yeah. very good. It is very good. Um well we are either visited by an apparition or an actual spirit of Dr. Raymond, and he's giving me those Darth Sidious vibes. Um, but he, he tells us the key to dispelling the spirits is to recite the passages from the book. Um, am I being too much of a know-it-all when I ask how the fuck nobody thought of this before? Like, the words of, from the book, you know, called on the spirit. So logic says there's a reverse spell in there somewhere, right? Or maybe it never occurred to Ash. That's what brought the evil spirits on. What say y'all? I'm not sure it matters much to him, does it? They're just there. I mean, suddenly he's in a fucking cellar with Henrietta, who Henrietta is played by Ted Raimi, who is Stan Raimi's brother. And they said that the suit and prosthetics and stuff that he's wearing are uh, latex and that they were emptying out cups of sweat. Isn't that gross? 
Well, first of all, I did not think that there were any prosthetics used in this movie. There were some prosthetics. Hmm. Well, the good guys finally decide to make their venture out in the woods, which is, I don't know. I mean, Hillbilly Jim decides to scream at the top of his lungs, you know, of his Virginia Slim destroyed lungs for Bobby Joe, thus getting the attention of what I believe might be the master entity, if there are multiple. And though well, yeah, no one Farmer is- Fran goes to the window and looks out. He's like, oh, she's out there. I'm going to go get her. Yeah, and, like, terrible idea, first of all, right? But at this point, you know, Ash is slingshotted back into his possession now. So, like, what the fuck? Now Ash is out to kill everybody. Henrietta's down in the basement, makes another appearance. A good God, she grabs Hillbilly Jim and just, it looks like she put him in a fucking giant Jack LaLanne juicer. I mean, she turns him into complete liquid, no pulp. Brutal. It looks like Hawaiian Punch coming out of the the, the basement. <laughs> That was terrible. <laughs> it was pretty terrible, James. But, you know, Evil Ash, you know, he finds his beloved Linda's locket, and I guess the emotion is so powerful it pulls him back into his human form. He convinces Annie that he's okay now, finally, because she tries to kill him a couple of times. So what's the first thing they do? James, tell me about this uh, th- this near Rambo scene where they get Ash all hooked up. Oh, yeah, they get him suited up with a chainsaw hand. A sawed-off shotgun and a little a little strap where he can start his chainsaw on his what do you call it lapel? Yeah, yeah on his lapel, he just pushes yeah. down and it, and it yanks it up and it's great. And then uh, we hear the, the the famous line, James. Groovy. <laughs> I've heard James say gravy the same way uh, for years now. So, uh, you know, the, the the team now, which is a very small team at this point, they set forth down to the basement, search for the missing pages of the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, the Book of the Dead. But in Ash's absence, Henrietta puts those hands on Linda, and Henrietta is again looking thicker than a snicker. But, you know, uh, you know she, she transforms this time. She, she grows her neck out like an extra four feet, and she's just having her way with Ash until Linda calms Henrietta down with this lullaby, just long enough for Ash to put those chains on Henrietta and uh, save Linda. But, you know, now you got to think that Henrietta's a little bit more powerful than just being a dead wife because once she was out of commission, like, that forest came to life. Right, and it was, you know, it was likely close with Henrietta. But Linda begins to recite the passages to dispel the evil, but that goddamn severed hand comes back, stabs Linda in the back. But Linda's a G; she doesn't just die right there. You know, she's able to recite the rest of the passage in her dying breaths. Now that saves our realm, but it was just a little bit too late for Ash, and he's taken into another time, medieval times to be exact, and he's just as confused as we are. The knights are about to kill Ash. They're believing him to be some kind of beast, but he proves himself by dispatching of some flying gargoyle creature, thus very quickly convincing the medieval soldiers that he is to be revered and, quote, has been delivered from the skies to deliver them from the deadites, the fucking deadites. What an ending. James, I love this ending, first of all. Like, we don't know what follows as the credits roll, but Ash is seen screaming, no, no, as he, you know, he realizes he's stuck in this unknown land and time, and his fight versus evil is far from finished. So, there's so much more than meets the eye. You know, I think about the ending 
of Planet of the Apes when they make it to the surface and they see that they were never in a foreign land. They were in America the whole time. This ending was not the ending that you wanted, to, I guess, to end the story and for everybody to be okay. You want Ash to be okay, but he is far from okay. On the surface, one would think that this movie is just a poor excuse to go balls to the wall with some random occurrences of you know poorly created monsters and creatures, but the ending here shows there is a complete history and lore with these deadites. So I personally congratulate you, James. It is not easy to push new things on me. And before well, there's we a whole book about them, so I mean, yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, but I mean, like I said, it's not easy to push new things on me. Before we prep for this episode, I was not an Evil Dead fan, James. All right, the more I watched, though, the more it grew on me. So, job well done, James. Thank you. You're most welcome. I know you'd like it if you ever watched it. You didn't know anything, James. You got lucky on this one. You might not get lucky on the next one. Uh, and you do get to name two more movies uh, uh, ahead because next week we've got. Well, actually, I'm going to let Casey tell us. What do we have next week? We're watching The Village. A very good movie by one Mr. M. Night Shyamalan. We who, think it's a good movie. I think we're going to have some people in the audience who disagree. It's pretty polarizing. Yeah, very few are in the middle. Either you love it or you hate it. I'm a Shyamalan guy. I'm not even worried about the audience. What are you worried about, James? Myself. <laughs> have you seen The Village and what do you think of it? In very few words. Have I seen The Village? Yes. What do I think about it? Very little. <laughs> Somehow I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Rick, what did you think of Evil Dead 2? Oh, uh, I mean, it's been a while since I saw it. I thought it was, it's all right. I mean, it's good for a sequel, I guess. I'm not, honestly, I've not been a very big Evil Dead fan ever, so. So does this movie make you more or less of a fan? Uh, the same. Keeps me the same. Keeps you the same. Okay. Yeah. Casey, final thoughts on Evil Dead 2? I know you I, want to cover those Rotten Tomato scores. I do. I was about to say that. I love Evil Dead 2, and so do critics and audiences. Um, the score for critics is 95%, and audiences is 89 which is, for a horror movie, pretty fucking stellar. Uh, one of the positive reviews is remains one of the most truly joy, joyful horror films ever made. Um, and then another is takes all the scares, gore, humor, and insanity of 1981's The Evil Dead and amps it all up to 11. Uh, one of the negative reviews is uh, six years later, the acting is still dreadful and that guy can go to hell. <laughs> good call well you know what james because we have the movie for next week do you want to announce your movie now or do you want to announce it at the end of next week's episode i'm gonna hold off until i see this village movie <laughs> okay well there you have so it guys tune in next week for james's stellar pick now I've hit the gold, the jackpot with Evil Dead 2. Stand alone, Evil Dead 2. <laughs> debatable. Very debatable. Well, guys, I feel like this has been a fun episode. I'm glad we got to play Crack the Case at the beginning. I'm glad we watched this movie, and I'm glad you're doing this project alongside me because I don't think I could do it without you. So, 
To wrap this thing up, for James Brown, for Casey Ripley, and for Rick Sims, I am Billy Graves. This was the Slashers and Screamers podcast. Come back next week for The Village.